When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to episode 222 of the Source Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. Source Say Podcast is, as always, presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations. It's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by my guy, Zach Gagan. Zach, always a pleasure. How are you doing this evening? It just feels good to be back, Jack, with Zach. The, the think, Triple yeah. G. The Triple G. The, the good old... Good old yeah, good to be back. I'm glad to, to talk some hoops. We got a special guest coming on, so it's, it should be a good show. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I don't know if you've noticed on Twitter or on the website, I have been sick as a dog the last couple of days. I have been. It's. I don't want to give any details, but it's been really gross. And I really, the game on Tuesday night is a complete blur. I slept from. So I was supposed to co-host the pregame show, uh, and like 15 minutes before I was walking about to walk out the door, I got sick. And then I uh, called in and said, hey, it's probably not a good idea for me to go to this pregame show. So I called in sick. I slept from, I think, 3.30 to 7 o'clock on the dot. The game started at 7, 7 to 9. I'm kind of sort of in it, not really all there for the two hours of the game. And then I sleep from basically 9.15 whenever the game ends. And I'm in bed till 1.30 the next day, eat almost nothing. I, it's, it's just absolutely terrible. Just I, the last couple of days have been a blur, but I am back. I am fully recovered, feel like a brand new man. I got to actually watch this game and soak it all in and let it marinate for a little bit. So that's been fantastic. Um, and I think after second viewing, Zach, I'm feeling actually a lot better about this performance than I was when I was kind of halfway delusional and out of it the first time around watching it. Um, obviously a tale of two halves, Zach. A 60 to 41 final, but at halftime it was tied 21 to 21. You were there in attendance at Rupp Arena. Uh, what was the vibe? What were you feeling when uh, they they went into the halftime buzzer tied against the Golden or not the Golden Knights, the Knights? Well, first of all, glad to hear that you're doing better, Jack. I received some texts from you. Obviously, did not sound like you were in the best uh, shape. You said some Chef Boyardee was actually what kind of ended up saving you. my clear. Uh, that's what that's what got me feeling back on getting me back on my feet. Well before we even get to I, like did you just get sick ramp did it just ha- it just hit you? What was kind of you know I'm curious to know what what happened. I in fact I felt one hundred percent all the way up until 15 minutes before I was supposed to walk out the door. I mean, I, I was I went to the gym. I played basketball with Big Blue Drew, who was on the show a couple weeks ago. Shout out to him, but my guy. We played basketball, had a great time, kicked other people's butts on, on the court. We It was fantastic. Went lifted, did great job on the bench, felt really good, got home, 
worked, wrote a couple articles, and then, I mean, I, I literally closed my laptop, was about to start getting ready, and then all hell broke loose. So to tell you it was an, a surprise would be an understatement. I really don't know where it came from. Clearly just a 24 to 36-hour bug or whatever it ended up being. Yeah, but going around. Awful. Terrible. Do, don't recommend it at all. But, but glad it, does, it does sound like we should all start watching games on clean stomachs then because it, that's how you mm -hmm. had your – your revival, I guess, with your second viewing as you understood kind of what was going on a little bit more. And my epiphany that it might not be as tragic and devastating as I think a lot of fans thought in the heat of the moment, I, what I thought in the heat of the moment. Well, from someone who was there, the first half, I will admit, was about as worse as I thought it could get. I don't, it was a very uh, somber mood kind of all throughout all of Rep Arena, even on press row. We were all just kind of looking at each other like, is this happening? Is this really kind of going on? I mean, it was 21 and 21 and a half. Kentucky just couldn't hit a shot. I don't really know what it was. You can chalk it up to Bellarmine's defense if you want, but I don't think they were exactly, you know, world beaters out there. So it was just, it's not what everyone wanted to see kind of as how the season's been going. You know, maybe if you beat Gonzaga, a 21 to 21 tie at Bellarmine maybe isn't as big of a deal, but just kind of how everything led up to that moment and then for it to be 21, 21. And it really wasn't until the last 12 minutes of the game where Kentucky actually put the foot on the gas and finally put it on the gas and made it a 10, 20 point lead. Um, I admittedly have not gone back and watched the game yet. I always do. I watch my games the day before the next game. Uh, so I'll watch this one here, I guess, tomorrow. Probably sh should have watched that, I guess, before. But, you know, I'll let you do the uh, second viewing uh, talk so far. But from, from my, where I was in my perspective, uh, just wasn't great until the last 12 minutes. But the defense overall, I thought, obviously, was Kentucky's right spot that was you know if one thing you want to point to i guess they really did lock down uh bellerman uh, you know i've watched i've watched i've honestly watched a couple of games of bellerman and i've seen them do that stuff the entire time and it's foiled a lot of teams uh defensive you know how they want to go about it so it was nice to see kentucky actually fight uh because i feel like they haven't done a lot of energy fighting you know just shown that type of stuff over the last few games so it's nice to see that but that was my that's just my initial thoughts here yeah, and we heard that from Bruiser Flint, even John Calipari before the game about how this was going to be one of, de of defensive discipline, how uh, it'd be uh, the, the focus would be entirely on uh, making sure that they stayed, you know, as as complicated as the Bellarmine offense is, how it's constant pass, 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 pass around the perimeter, kind of a, a three man weave of sorts with the ball never touching the ground. Uh, definitely. Uh, confusing as I'll get out. And, and um, you know, I thought they did an, a tremendous job there, especially in the second half. Offense definitely turned the tide and uh, ramped things up. And I believe we may be having our special guest come on. I think he just joined us. I want to make sure we did that. So we'll uh, cut a little bit of the Bellarmine talk and get our special guest on, Justin Edwards, Kentucky signee. I'll make sure that we get the, uh, the talk with him. Justin, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah. What's going on, brother? How are you? What's good? How are you, man? Oh, we're good. So we uh, we're, we talked a little bit about the Bellarmine win over for Kentucky, uh, but we definitely wanted to get you on. You're, you're going to be here uh, in Kentucky next weekend for the play-by-play -play classic. First off, how excited are you for that? Uh, just to kind of get back to uh, what's going to be your future home. Um, good. Um, they never seen me play before, so that's that's exciting. Like for them to for them like to come out and to see me play where I will be playing next year. So that's that's good. Yeah. I think that you played EYBL in Louisville, right? Is that correct? Yes. So I guess just how cool is it going to be for, 
you know, Kentucky fans to be, you know, they're in attendance seeing you for the first time, uh, you know, where, where you're going to be here and I guess just, just here in a couple months? Um, it's going to be good because um, I'm playing against Reed Shepard, so that's my teammate. So like, that's going to be a good, a good like, just to, just to see both of us play against each other because we never played against each other before. So that's that's crazy, yeah. So, so Reed, uh, you know, we had him on the show a while back, and he said that you guys have kind of gotten close. Got you guys are in a group chat together. You guys text pretty often. Uh, just how is that relationship kind of developing with with all of you guys together? Um, it's getting it's getting closer. Um, I was closer with Rob and I'm just not, like just I got closer with Rob and Reed like throughout the camps and stuff. But I yeah, like it just it just like us seeing each other more often. It just made us get closer. So I talked to Rob at, uh, I think, Peach Jam, and he said that uh, he had a dream team in mind, and it was actually everybody that Kentucky ended up signing. He wanted you, he wanted Aaron, he wanted DJ. You already had Reed, and then he he committed as well. All five of you guys. Uh, what's it feel like to, to have the dream team uh, now official? Uh, it's, it's crazy because, like, we – like, Rob, Rob is the one that recruited – Rob and Reed are the ones that were, like, were, like, the main ones trying to recruit me to come there. And then I was trying to get DJ and Rob – I mean, DJ and Aaron because, like, they're across the bridge. So, you know, like, Eric, yeah, that was just, a, like, a good job. Uh, just describe what the five of you guys together what, – what does that uh, do on the court? How how well do you guys think you all will work together? Um, Good. Um. Uh, Nobody like me. Nobody know that me and DJ was on teams growing up for team final. He played on final. My what was that eighth, eighth grade, and then he left and went to Skyler. So we already have like a little chemistry. I, I didn't know that. What you know? How did you guys play together? You guys formed a little like mini, uh, mini uh, superstar duo back then. Yeah. Uh, he. Uh, I gotta say this. Um, that was my that was my first like time playing in the like playing in the EYBL circuit. So that was that was like a good experience for me. I guess uh, what was, I guess, the kind of home stretch of getting DJ and, and Aaron and, and, you know, knowing that those two pieces would be kind of the, the closing, uh, you know, the closing part of, of forming that dream team and all the excitement behind it. Just uh, what was that kind of final push of making sure those two got locked up? Can you, can you repeat that again? Uh, just, you know, what were the, the kind of final stages of getting DJ and, and Aaron committed and, uh, you know, how important they were to that class? Uh, kind of forming what you guys wanted to form there. Um, it was it was uh really important. Like I like I be be throwing like little shots at like DJ and because I play the game with them a lot, so I'd be like like yo, we waiting for you. Like hurry up and like just come join us. Like just throwing a little like like joking about it, but like yeah. Now, when it came to down to your decision to to commit to Kentucky, uh, what was that final stretch like for for John Calipari and when he went for the kind of the the final kill with you? Wait, repeat it again. My bad. When when John Calipari went for the kill with you, the last you know home stretch of your recruitment, uh, what was that process like? And you know, kind of just the home stretch before you ended up committing. Um, it was it was good because like every like it was it was kind of hard too because like every like the schools that was recruiting me like they was telling me where I, what I wanted to hear, but like I just went where what with my gut and like how I, I how I can be successful in the long run. And Coach Calipari was telling me that. I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, Kentucky being your dream school from the beginning. And, uh, you know, what? why was that? Why, why was Kentucky such a dream school for you from from the start? Because um, uh, when I started playing basketball, like I, just, I used to watch a lot of highlights because I wasn't as good. Like growing up. I used to just I don't know why I just used to watch a lot of Kentucky highlights. I used to watch Devin Booker and Anthony Davis. So that, that just that became my dream school ever since. 
Zach, you, you got anything? I don't want to st steal all the spotlight from you. Yeah, I'll go, Justin. Nice to see you again, man. Uh, I'm curious to know, uh, for just first of all, what what you and Reed's uh, conversations are, are like right now, leading into this game. Any chit or like smack talk at all? Or are you kind of taking right, it easy? Right, or? Right. I'm gonna wait until we get down there. I like that's my guy right now. But when we on the court, all that go out the window. Now, when you all are talking, do you all talk about how you all want to play together, at Kentucky, or when do you all have? I'm sure you all have a group chat together. You know, what are your conversations like talking about Kentucky? Um. That we that we I don't, like that we want to like we all say we want to win national championship. Like every time we text is about like just being successful when we come in next year. And then it, it, I'm sure there was a moment probably where it just clicked for you where you're like, all right, uh, Kentucky's the spot. You know that's where I want to go. What what was that moment for you? And, and maybe when did it happen? What'd you say? When was that moment for you where you decided that you knew Kentucky was the spot? Like what was when did that happen? Oh, like when did I like have, like make my make my mind like my decision? Yeah, like when did it actually hit you that you were like, all right, Kentucky's a spot for me. I know that's where uh, I want to go. It was it was Peace Jam, like because like before before we got to Peace Jam, I was all like I wasn't myself, like just because I was like so worried about like like what school I was going to choose, like what decision I was going to make. So like the what was it like the last week of Peace Jam, I like I made my decision like where I wanted to go. And that, like after that, I was just playing. I was playing so good. Like so, just me, just me, like making my decision, me helped me play better. So that was that was good too. Awesome. Uh, Peach Jam it was kind of a time that you emerged as you know maybe even the number one player in the class. What was it uh, about that event in particular that you thought kind of you know allowed you to to flourish the way that you did? Um, my my coach Coach Tahar, uh, he he pushed me pushed me to where I am now so I that's that I go, I go like that's he's the reason that I'm probably I am who I am today like he pushes me pushing me so hard and like last season that was I wanted to win for him so that's probably why I was going so hard like everything everything that I did last last AUC uh, I guess just in terms of your playing style for somebody that isn't familiar with Justin Edwards and his game uh, how would you describe you know how you play um I can do a little bit of everything, like every like spin, rebound, off like every every I can I can do everything, a little bit of everything. Yeah, I know defense is something that you take pride in. Uh, you definitely showed that on the big stage at Peach Jam. Just why why is that? Why why is defense so important to you? Uh, just me coming from Emotep. That's something that we breed. Uh, we're we're very passionate on defense, so it just carried on to AU. Tell tell us more about Emotep and kind of how they've you know helped you become the player that you are so far. Um. Uh, they help me become the player I am today because they they don't take slack. So like you you gotta you gotta be yourself. Like you gotta be hundred percent in practice, uh, in the game, in school, all that. Like just a better just a better person and a better person on the court. There's a comment, and if there's any fans that want to ask questions, just ask them in the chat. Uh, Justin will be happy to answer answer them for you. Uh, Daryl Williams says Malik Monk 2.0. What, what do you think of, of that comparison? Uh, everybody say I look like him and I play like him. I don't. Look, I don't think I look like Malik Monk. I can see. I can see why people say I play like him. He he was more athletic though, but I think I can shoot better. You know. <laughs> who, who do you model your game after? Is there somebody, uh, uh, either a former Kentucky player that you model your game after, or just a, in general an NBA guy that you kind of take? To, I, try to, I try to model my game after Kevin Durant. Like he's a a linky, like a linky, like like how I am. Like get to his spots. Like just a yeah. Try to model my game after Kevin Durant. Let's see. Uh, on Twitter, somebody says Bo Ford says 
with NIL, what will be your first practical purchase as a college student? Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Probably like a, probably, I don't know. Probably like a car or something. I don't know. <laughs> how how important was NIL in your decision? I guess, what, what were those conversations like with, with Kentucky? Just, you know, knowing that that's obviously a big brand opportunity playing for kind of a big spot program. Like, I didn't really talk about the NIL because I have, like, people to do that for me. So that wasn't really something that I was talking about when I was talking to the coach. I guess just as a college athlete, uh, how important is it just in general to to have college athletes be able to, you know, kind of utilize your name, image, and likeness, you know, if you want if you want to? What'd you say? Uh, how important do you think it is for student athletes in college to be able to use their, you know, name, image, and likeness if they want to, even if, you know – whether you want to or not, but just, you know, in general, the idea that they now can't. Um, I think it's good because, like, you know, some athletes might be, like, less fortunate, I would say, and they, they will be able to use the money to, like, help their parents, like, just a little, like, a little stuff, like, be able to help. Like, yeah, that's what, that's the, that's the biggest thing to me, like, just being able to help. Uh, Bleed Blue 2116 says he's going to be one of the best players we've had in some time, best in this class, in my opinion. Uh, DJ and Rob are both dogs too. I guess uh, how important is it for you to be the num- you know the number one player in the class? Um, it's important to me, but it ain't something that I'm really concerned on. Like, uh, like, like I ain't, I ain't really too big headed over rankings and stuff. So that yeah, you know. Uh, SF Hoop says, does he model his game after RJ Barrett? I don't know if it's a lefty thing or what, but uh, you're getting a lot of lefty <laughs> comparisons. Nah, one of the more score. Rankings. One of the little ranker websites, they, they said my comparison was R.J. Barrett, but I don't play like him. <laughs> uh, was there a, a favorite Kentucky player that you had growing up in particular? Uh, no, not really. I, I just watched all of them. What, what was your favorite uh, Kentucky team growing up? Like, what was the team in particular that you were like, man? I was, I, I was watching uh, Aaron Fox and the Malik Monk duo. That was, that, that was exciting to watch. There's some comparisons between your all's class and that one, just kind of the, the you know, the good guards, the, you know, impressive wings. And uh, they think that, that that could be kind of a, a thing. What do you think of that possibility? Um, I don't know. Like, I never I never thought it. I never thought of that. That's that's crazy that people say we like we're like their class. I think we're going to wind up being better, though. That's my that's my personal opinion. I guess how good do you all think that you could be together? Because I, I know uh, he he uh, Rob said it was going to be a dream team, super class, dreams of winning a national championship. But uh, your your perspective, just how good can you all be? Really, the same thing with my boy Rob said. I, we can win national. I feel like we can win national championships. Uh, Coach Calipari did it with our young group before, so I feel like he can do it with our group too. Uh, Ethan Spurlock says, "Do you understand the importance of the the rivalry between Kentucky and Louisville?" No. Nah. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go watch some some highlights or some some film on those on those games. Is there a team that you're most looking forward to playing when you get to Kentucky? No, just just going to play. You know, every <laughs> every team is, is a team I want to play. Good answer. Uh, Jonah Oliver says, "Who's the best player you've ever played against?" The best player, uh, Chris Paul or or, or Steph Curry. Yeah, because I went to the camps. It was one of them. I, I mean, you got to expand on that. How, how did those matchups go? And, and uh, uh, yeah, Steph Curry matchup, he like I know I see why it's so be it's so hard to guard him. He he does not stop moving. He moves around a lot. And then Chris Paul, how'd that one go? Um, 
good. He's he's shifty and he like he was like he was like not he was yeah he was like toying with it. I don't I don't like stuff like that. He was like playing around with it. Like <laughs> it was good just to be able to guard guard him. Did you get any stops against either of them? Uh, did I? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. We'll say you did. We're <laughs> gonna have to work on that here in a couple of years. You're gonna be, you're gonna be guarding them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, FT says, "How much does stuff like the trip to London and opportunities to play abroad excite Justin?" So, like the Bahamas trip this year, they're going. They went out to Gonzaga, going to London this weekend. Do, do you know, kind of those type of opportunities? Is that something that you're excited for? Yeah, because I don't I don't travel like I, I don't travel like outside of the U.S. So that would be that's gonna be exciting for me because it's my first time doing stuff like that. Uh, Connor on, on Twitter says, uh, "What is one part of your game that you want to improve on before you get to Kentucky?" I'm um, getting stronger in, in my right hand. See, somebody already said, what, what team are you most looking forward to playing uh, the, the most at Kentucky? Um, oh, this is a good one. Pudge, Kentucky Pudge says, if he could pl- choose one current cat to stick around and play with him next year, who would it be and why? Ox, nah, who would it be? Like current right now? Yeah. I would say, yeah, Oscar. <laughs> Oh, just I guess from a you know from your perspective as a high schooler, what's it like seeing a dude like Oscar just kind of dominate the way that he does? Uh, just you know, does that inspire you to be like, man, I want to fight the way he does? Like, just what, what what does it do to you as a basketball player watching him play? It's like it's crazy because he it's like the way he make like the way he make basketball look not easy, but like the way he make it look like at, at his height, like he's six seven and he makes it seem like he's like seven foot. Like he just he grabs every rebound. Have you been able to meet him uh, yet? Uh, yeah, we was talking when I, what, what was the last visit? Who did they? Uh, the, um, Kentucky. What was that? Kentucky Madness, I think. Whatever. Yeah, I think. It was Madness. Yeah. How was that? Because I know that was when Aaron committed. How was the whole Big Blue Madness? Uh, uh, Dude, Aaron, Aaron committed out of the blue. We was so the crazy thing, right? We were in the middle of we were eating, and then I I went on Instagram because I'm getting all these followers. I'm like, yo, you just committed. Like, yeah, man. I'm like, yo, that's tough. Like, it was just out of the blue. So you didn't have any idea at all? No one did? Oh, uh, nobody had a uh, – no, no, no. <laughs> uh, when we had Reed on, he said that, every, like, all of y'all kind of came in and, like, tackled him at the same time when he – because he came in a little late. He said – Reed said that all y'all kind of, like, collapsed on him and, and kind of celebrated with him. What was that like? Um, It was good because, you know, like, that, that was, like, the, the missing piece. Like, because, like, I knew, like – once we got once we got Aaron that I feel like DJ was gonna come too. So that was like, all right, like I feel like we're gonna get the class that we've been wanting. Uh George Spurlock says, What is your fra- favorite pregame snack? Sour patches. I actually got some sour patches in my in my in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> why why sour patches? I don't know. I just like I just like sour patches. <laughs> That's the first NIL deal right there. Got, gotta keep that in mind. Patch, reach out. Uh, FT says uh, thoughts on Lexington. Uh, eat anywhere besides uh, Jeff Ruby's. Uh, what the? Oh, um, you know when I'm when I when I'm out there, we they usually give us they usually have chefs and all that stuff. So I don't I haven't really ate out. Uh, yeah, I haven't really ate out. Um, I don't know. Is this a Philly thing, Max's or Isha Beebles? What is it? Is that a Philly thing? I don't know what that is. <laughs> That's <laughs> That's probably a cheesesteak spot, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know what that is. What's that? Wait, say it again. Max's or Isha Beebles? What's that? 
the Eagles bar, the Eagles and uh, Max's Max again, one of the best cheesesteak spots in the city. Area. Oh, yeah, I've never been there before, yeah. Justin, it's the city. <laughs> you got you got to expand your horizon a little bit, bro. It's, it's a bar, my coach said. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Nick McCardell, which future teammate is Justin looking forward to playing with? So I guess in this upcoming recruiting class, who are you most looking forward to playing with? All of them. <laughs> All of them? Yeah. All right, Big Blue Drew on Twitter, King of the Court, three dribbles from the top of the key. What's your what's in your bag in that scenario? Winning. That's in my bag. <laughs> well, what, you get you get three dribbles. What, what's your what's your go to to score in King of the Court? Um, I would say my get to my mid range. E seventy ish says, "How is your three point shooting? Uh, what's your percentage is made recently?" Uh, and I guess he just said, "What's the best part of your game?" Um, my I'm I'm getting better at being more of more of a consistent shooter. Our our season didn't start yet, so I don't know my percentage. But um, uh, what is it? It says, "What is the best part of your game?" Uh, um, I would say being like doing like when but when I'm the best part of my game is when I'm doing everything like rebounding, blocking shots, like scoring every just everything. When I'm that's probably the best part of my game when I'm like focused and locked in. I guess this season in particular, we're seeing a lot about just, you know, the pressure that comes with being in Kentucky going out to Gonzaga and, you know, how, how that could kind of get the best of you. How how do you think you're prepared for, you know, some of those type of moments where it's not as easy as, you know, beating up on a, you know, North Florida or Duquesne or somebody like that? Uh, how how ready are you for the, those big time spotlight moments? Um, I feel like I'm gonna be prepared just from just from like just from me being from Philly, like all the like it, it, I don't think it can get any any worse than Philly. So just me being from Philly, I think I'm going to be prepared. Uh, Ryan Tapman says, what is your favorite in-game dunk? In-game dunk? Uh, I don't really be pulling out all my dunks, but like I usually do a windmill here and there. Why don't you pull out all your dunks in-game? Uh, that's not, that's, I don't know. Just do the windmill. I, so I'll probably, I'll probably pull out something new this year, like senior year. So I'll probably pull out some, I'll probably pull out some down Kentucky. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Dunk contest to Big Blue Madness. He'll be there. <laughs> Let me see if we're we're missing. If you got any other questions, give give him a shout. Um, we don't want to keep him on too too much longer. Um, let's see. Michael TB says, just want to say, just uh, I love that Justin chose UK. He dodged a bullet by choosing UK over Tennessee. Uh, I hope he locks in on beating them three times. Uh, that you know, we talked about the Louisville rivalry, but the Tennessee rivalry is pretty pretty crazy too. Are you are you ready for? Kind of the backlash of that after your decision to choose them over. Yeah, the I'm already preparing myself for that because after <laughs> after I committed, I I was like, I don't know, like I like looking at like tweets like that, so I was just looking at them and just laughing like how. Like, <laughs> uh, Connor Rig, if you watch high school basketball mixtapes, who is the best one you've ever watched? Oh, uh, I would say, who mixtape? I would say. Sharif Cooper and Greg Brown, like that. What, what's that mixtape? That Greg Brown mixtape. I think it was his senior season when he was like dunking on everybody. Yeah, was that his AAU one with when he was with the the Titans no. with, with Cade or the high school one? It was high school. Yeah, um, this is a you know kind of a tough question. Um, FT says, "How does he feel about being called more of a Robin than a Batman?" 
maybe his thoughts on making teammates better than doing things all by himself. So I guess like, I, I guess just the mindset of you being, you know, a complimentary piece too, on top of, you know, you know, being a star player as well. Um, I feel like I'm going to be fine. Like, that's how I am now. Like, I ain't, I ain't really like a, like, I, I ain't one of the people that just to go shoot a thousand shots. Like, I, I stay, I stay in my box. Like, I, I do what I'm, I know I can do. Like, I probably shoot like 14 shots a game now. So it's like, I don't, I don't really pay. I'm, I feel like I be myself. Well, I guess because that was such a, you know, recruiting pitch for some other schools for you, you know, come and get as many shots as you want a game. Uh, how did you differentiate that with a place like Kentucky? Where um, they obviously don't promise that. Because I know I was gonna play with other good guys and and that's like me being here, me being at Imhotep, I I'm not I don't I'm not I am here, but I don't even shoot a lot of shots here. So I wanted to go somewhere where I could still be myself and still shoot the amount of shots that I shoot now. Uh Nick McCardell says, Which blue blood are you looking forward to playing against the most? Kansas, UNC, or Duke? Uh Duke. Uh, me, me, Jared, McKenzie, and Kayla, we all got a little, a little rivalry from, uh, Slam, because, look, uh, Jared, Jared picked Rob, and I, and we wound up picking McKenzie, and they was like, yo, you picked my teammate, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Um, last thing I got for you, Zach, I don't know if you, if you have anything, just give a, you know, scouting report of the other four signees, uh, DJ, Aaron, uh, Reed, and who am I missing, and Rob. Rob, yeah, give give a kind of just a mini scouting report of all four of them. Scouting report, how like a game plan scouting report? No, like uh, how would you describe Reed's game? How would you describe you know uh, Rob? All four of them. Uh, my boy Reed here. I haven't really seen Reed play like that, but when I when I did see him play, like he can like my boy can flat out shoot, can slash a little bit, all that. Uh, same thing with same thing with Rob. Rob and Rob got sneaky bounce, so he'll dunk on you, cross you over, and all that. Same thing with DJ. DJ DJ don't even like dunking like that. DJ, y'all barely see DJ dunk, but I know he can do all that, all the dunk stuff. And uh, and Aaron, Aaron can, Aaron can like dribble and all that. So like, yeah, like he can, he can like space the floor, shoot, like he can shoot threes, pop, all that. And Zach, you got anything else? No, I think I'm all good. Appreciate well, it, Justin. Justin, no we appreciate you coming on, brother, and uh, excited to uh, see you here in Louisville. We'll, we'll be here for the play-by-play classic and. Uh, uh, excited to see that matchup between you and Reed. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, brother. All right. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No How about that, Zach? That was awesome. Oh, yeah. No, he's great. Love talking to Justin. Yeah, I, I, we, we've talked about this in the past how the, uh, the bluntness of, of Justin kind of took us the uh, kind of the wrong way the first couple times we interviewed him it was just very like 
you know, he's short at times, but just very direct with what he said. So when he would say things in his you know, recruiting updates where he'd be like, uh, no, nah, I'm not really messing with Auburn anymore. Some would be like, oh, that was kind of direct. <laughs> and then, it, you know, everything he said was just always true. And it, it just uh, uh, the uh, the honesty was always just very genuine. And, and uh, I've, I've grown to just absolutely love that kid. He's 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 a, he's just the best. Yeah, he's not going to say too much or too little. He's going to say exactly what's on his mind. So I, I kind of uh, I've grown to love that about him, honestly. And I think he'll do great in media settings and things like that. He's got he's just got a good head on him. So. And I, honestly, I'm still kind of in the boat that I think he's going to be our the best, you know, of the five. I think he'll end up being the best guy that plays for Kentucky. Maybe probably the best NBA player if you have to shove them all to the next level as well. So I'm very excited for him to get here. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and there's the reason why we brought him on, like we talked about the play-by-play classic next Sunday, yeah. uh, G- uh, December 11th uh, at Freedom Hall. It's going to be an all-day event. The headliner, Emotep, against uh, North Laurel. Reed Shepard versus Justin Edwards. It's going to be an unbelievable matchup. We are very, very excited for that. Oh, yeah. um, um, and, I mean, that's going to be there too. I know we've got, uh, I think Jasper Johnson, I believe, is playing in that from uh, Trinity. Uh, am I right on that? Yes. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, you've got North Oldham as well, has a kid, Dallas Roberts. There's, there's, there's going to be a lot of good talent. I think there's uh, eight total games spread out throughout that day. So uh, obviously the headliner is Reed versus Justin, but that's going to be just a really fun day in general. A lot of good games, a lot of good talent. Yeah. So make, make sure you buy tickets. They're available on Ticketmaster right now. You can go see the future Wildcats in action. You, you we've like, you've heard from Justin, they've never played against each other. This is a brand new thing for both of them. Uh, so we're definitely excited for that. We're going to have, um, we're, we're going to have uh, Justin on KSR. So I'm going to be co-hosting KSR on Monday and we're going to, going to try. So nope. Don't hold me to this, but we're going to try to have Justin and Reed on together on Monday to kind of start a little kind of back and forth banter. So it just wow. don't hold me to it, but plan on it. We're, we're, that's that's what we're working toward. Yeah, you're dropping some um, scoop on me. I didn't know you were hosting the show either. So that'll be a big day. Big day yeah, for we're, the program we're, we're excited. Well, I was supposed to co-host it on Wednesday, but right, I ended right, up right. getting sicker than a dog and that ended up being just absolute trash. So anyhow. Thank you very much to Justin. I thought he did a great job and uh, very much looking forward to the event. Uh, Looking forward to the event next Sunday. It's going to be a blast. Zach, let's jump back into uh, the uh, nitty-gritty of this Kentucky-Bellerman game. Um, So the first half was about as ugly as it gets, but the second half uh, was actually a lot to like, especially defensively. I thought uh, Kentucky was was really, really, uh, like you said, high-energy. I thought they rotated well. I thought they were extremely disciplined and and you know just really attentive and and held Bellarmine to its season low in scoring and and you know extremely inefficient numbers thirty percent from the field twenty eight percent from three uh, made things really really uncomfortable for them and then uh, offensively uh, Antonio Rees expo- exploded from three uh, CJ or I guess you know not just from three but all three levels and then Antonio or, and uh, CJ Frederick uh, he, he hits back to back threes to kind of open things up uh, what was the uh, different uh, what was the difference between first half and second half, you think, especially offensively? Uh, well, if I'm looking at this ticker correctly, I think we're about to talk about it in a second. But the last 12 minutes, it was Kyle stuck with five guys. CJ kind of came in a little bit, but it was five guys, if I can remember correctly. It was Savir, Kaysen, Antonio, Jacob, and Oscar. He pretty much stuck with those five guys for most, pretty much the entire second half for the most part. CJ came in for a little bit. But once he just kind of cracked down and rolled out with the same – guys that it just helped them all kind of get together part of it was Antonio just started hitting shots too 
Jacob was a lot more aggressive in the second half. Uh, he and Cal both mentioned that in the post game, how he just kind of, you know, he needs to do it for a whole game, but at least he's showing, you know, at, at points that he can go and do that. So if he does that in the first half, you know, he probably has just a, a, a much better all around game and Kentucky is probably in a much better position too, but uh, aggressiveness from Toppin, uh, just uh, some continuity with the lineup, uh, Antonio making shots. That's really all just kind of what it boiled down to. There really wasn't, you know, some sort of secret. I, I think Bellarmine probably wore down a little bit too, uh, yeah. just because literally their entire offense was, the entire 30 second shot clock they were just moving the ball around like Kentucky probably got tired from doing that but I'm sure Bellerman got tired from doing that too so I think that's kind of how it all just fell apart for them at the end of so but still positives for Kentucky obviously uh, what what is it do you think that uh, the difference between the way Kentucky has struggled shooting the ball against Michigan State and Gonzaga versus, you know, even like Antonio Reeves, the way he was able to explode, you know, the way he was able to create his own shot and get a shot off and uh, just how comfortable he was uh, in that offense. Just what, what do you think the difference has been? Is it just boils down to a confidence thing or a spotlight thing? Or uh, is it just the fact that some shooters shoot and, and, you know, have cold days and some others, you know, some others are hot days? I think it's so early in the season. We have the sample size are so small that, it's just kind of a sometimes someday you make them someday you don't type thing. Like, you know, it's kind of in the NBA, you see long stretches of seasons where guys just get hot and cold. So that'll happen. Uh, it's unfortunate that it happened for, you know, Kentucky's best shooters during their two most important games. But, uh, you know, unless, unless it becomes a consistent thing where they're just really, you know, pooping the bed against these big uh, competition teams, then we maybe can have a different conversation, but I'm still inclined to believe that, you know, because we saw it in, against Bellerman, you think, the bright lights of Bellerman did definitely didn't, you know, deter Antonio Reeves, but he still didn't shoot well in the first half and neither did, I don't believe CJ did either. So it wasn't until the second that they stepped up. So right now we'll just chalk it up to kind of, they're just, you know, we got shooters. Some, just some days they're makers, some days they're not. So. I, I guess. And that brings us to our next topic, just the, the, the frustration with the rotations. And it just really feels like Cal at times has been just kind of throwing stuff against the wall, hoping that something sticks and, uh, really, at times it feels like not letting current groups kind of get their footing and, and even, you know, f work their way out of struggles. Uh, but then at the same time, you, you know, when the next group has their struggles, kind of putting the same guys back in to continue those past struggles, it just feels like kind of a revolving door uh, of you, you know, just cold streaks. And uh, I'm, I'm just curious like you said, how when things tightened up there in the second half, it almost felt like things kind of started to seem closer and closer together. Uh, just how much of that do you think is the answer? It just Is it as simple as shortening the rotation? And at that point, how do you shorten the rotation? Is it, you know, who, who's going to be cut out if that's the case? Yeah, I don't know if, you know, I, I, don't, I think it's, it's tough to say just because I want, you know, you want Cal to rotate a bunch of guys in early on, especially guys like Damian or – you know, even Uganda or whoever else, Chris Livingston, especially who Cal said multiple times after the game, he wants to play more. Uh, you know, I like, I want those guys to get in and kind of, you know, figure it out. And I feel like in the back of Cal's mind, he probably knows that if he just goes to his core guys at the end, he can stretch out a game and win it. And like he said, against a team like Bellerman, you can grind it down and just yeah. bury that team. It's, it doesn't work as well, you know, in the NCAA tournament, the first round against a team or in the SEC tournament. But when you're playing a team like Bellerman, you can absolutely do that. So, uh, 
from that perspective, I understand, you know, why you want to do that. You want to try and incorporate guys in, throw stuff at the wall and see if it fit and see if it sticks. Uh, just unfortunately, it just doesn't seem like it does a bunch of the time. And um, I think even uh, Stephen was uh, talking to me as well back at, back there behind the the invisible fourth wall. We were talking about, or he was mentioning how it was just like 30 seconds for some of these guys. You know, they'd come in, they'd, you know, make one defensive miscue, then they're right back out, kind of like the Dante Allen situation. So a lot of the time it was just tough to, you know, gather things and trying to figure out what he's trying to, I guess, work together and see what works. So it's frustrating from our perspective because you just kind of want them to beat these teams into the ground. But at the same time, it's a process, I guess. So I was a lot more uh, critical, I feel like, a, a couple of days ago. I've calmed down a little bit from that first half. But, um, yeah, the, the rotation still just – they were frustrating to see a lot, all these guys going in because they played – you know, he wants to have a seven-man rotation or eight-man rotation. Obviously, that's probably more – he's probably thinking more towards the SEC plays when he wants to settle that in. So, uh you got to you got to get guys like Chris Livingston because if you don't get him in now, who knows if you're going to be able to get him in in January? And I, th- I think that's the point that Cal is trying to make. I, I definitely think that he understands that this ugliness is there. I think he understands that the struggles are what they are, uh, and I don't think he's trying to maximize them. But I think he's just kind of. Uh, you, trying new things and going, okay, that's clearly not going to work. That's clearly, it's like a, uh, an offensive coordinator at the early, you know, the early first part, first quarter of a game, you know, throwing a play out there just to say, okay, let's just, will this work? Is it something that we can draw up even later in the season or, you know, later in the game or whatever? Uh, and, you know, it, it fails miserably, you know, the, the reverse against South We're Carolina. Familiar. We're very yeah. familiar with the, the reverse against South Carolina for Kentucky, the first play of the game where fumbled, sets up an absolute nightmare, sets up an absolute nightmare of a game. That was clearly a, whoops, definitely not going to do that again. I think that we're kind of in the midst of that with, with John Calipari where he's like, okay, I want to see if this guy can work together with this guy is, is, you know, Damian Collins, you know, do we have to play him at the five where he does kind of maximize his abilities as a, you know, dunker and shot blocker rim running type, or can we utilize some of the stretch four abilities that I think he has? And, you know, what he thinks he has, we're trying to build confidence with him, things like that. Uh, You know, Chris Livingston, he wants to be a three. We've talked about this on the show several times that he had him watching Devin Booker film in high school, those sorts of things. Or is he going to revert back to what we all kind of know that he should be a small ball four, kind of that fourth guard option where he's best suited as kind of a mismatch guy as a slasher, you know, at the corners and where he can kind of, you know, use his physicality and strength to, you know, draw fouls and get to the line and, and you know, get easy buckets inside, things like that. I think Cal has a vision for this team, Zach, and I think uh, it's one that is going to be successful with this team. He's just crossing off boxes and checking things off at the beginning of the year. And it's resulting in, I think, you know, uncharacteristic, ugly basketball. And I think we all just kind of have to get through it until we get to the point where Cal goes, okay, I've crossed off all the boxes. I have found what works. I found what I like about this team. Here we go. Here's my basketball team. Yeah. And and that'll eventually happen. But, and part of the, you know, the rotation frustration, I kind of like saying that it's fun to say, but part of it is just, he's not doing some of the stuff that we want to see. Like, you know, he's throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks, but not a lot of times does he throw in Antonio and CJ out there at the same time. He said after the game that he wanted to get Chris Livingston at the four, Chris Livingston played zero possessions at the four. Chris Livingston has played zero possessions at the four all season long. He has not played. He's always playing with two bigs always. He's always once done that. So 
some of the stuff that you wanted to see do, he just probably hasn't done yet. Maybe, you know, he acknowledged it in the last game. So maybe we see Chris play at the four going forward. But, you know, looking at the schedule, you're kind of already getting, you're losing some of these games. Like you've got Florida A&M and uh, I think Yale as well. Wow. That sounded really country when I said Yale as well. But uh, <laughs> yeah. And then, but other than that, you know, you got Michigan, you see it like there's going to be a lot of really good teams and it's going to be tough to experiment at that point. So. I would like to see some of the, you know, more spacing of the floor, less big guys, Damian Collins at the five, Chris Livingston at the four. Like those are some of the things that I'd rather see um, as opposed to playing Lance Ware and, you know, Jacob Toppin together for three minutes at a time. I think we know, we know what's going to happen with that. Uh, I guess now is as good a time as it needs to, to, say that I have heard on my end, um, and I said this this morning on on the Leach Report, um, shout out Billy Rutledge, and I, I mentioned it in the live blog as well, but um, I've heard some some stuff on my end of things that um, that Cason Wallace, I think, is going to be a guy that's going to have the keys handed to him at some point. I don't think it's going to be an immediate toss, take it for, the, for a joy ride and enjoy the rest of the season. Uh, I definitely think it's going to be a, a process that they're going to ease into, but uh, I have heard that, you know, ideally this team is one that, that kind of maximizes that shooting, especially in late game situations uh, by having Kaysen on the floor as a primary ball handler alongside guys like, you know, Antonio and CJ, and maybe that's an opportunity to put, you know, Chris out there at, at a four and then, Oscar at the five and, you know, maximize versatility on the team in that regard. Uh, I have heard that that is definitely a point of emphasis. I don't know how quick it's going to be. And and look, I, that is not taken as a slot, uh, as a shot at Savir. I do think that, you know, I don't think it was the best game for him. Uh, six points, two of six shooting in 35 minutes, four turnovers, six assists w- with five, with four rebounds. At the end too. It's, what was that? He cramped up at the end too. He didn't need to play 35 minutes. That was this team does not need to have anybody playing over that. You know, I, I've heard that, you know, I, I think Kaysen's playing too many minutes. I mean, I think I, and I love Kaysen, you know, just as much as anybody on the team. I think he is very, very good. Um, I, I think the reason why you bring in a Kaysen and a Savier uh, and have them playing together and, and having them, you know, available to you is so you can stagger them a little bit and let, you know, them both kind of rock out a little bit. And I think ideally the best way to use them both is to have, you know, Kaysen, even if he's not the prime primary guy or, you know, one of the lead guys, um, you have, you know, maybe him run the show for a while and, and compliment Antonio and, and CJ on, on each side of you. And then Savir as that 25-ish minute per game guy is that, you know, that change of pace guy that is going, I mean, there's nobody that can compete with his pace in college basketball. There's nobody that can, that can push the tempo the way that he can and find the, you know, just adjust through the open floor and, and find seams and, and, you know, create shots on the outside for his teammates. There's nobody in college basketball that can do what Xavier Wheeler does at his best. But I also think when he gets tired legs and, you know, the short spurts of energy that he provides kind of starts slogging along into long stretches. I think that's when his sloppiness kind of presents itself. And that's when we see the worst of Savory Wheeler. And that's where the criticisms start to present themselves. And that's when we get the negative fans say, Savir needs to go get, kick him off the team. He has no business. Like, yes, he has a he has business. He's a very good basketball player. There's a reason he has the numbers that he does. He has a place on this team. He has a very, very prominent role in this team. I just don't think it needs to be as a 30 five minute per game type of guy. And 
from what I have heard, the, the plan is by the end of the year is for that to be more regulated with Kaysen as definitely a more a you know primary guy where the keys would technically be more so in in Kaysen's hand. And I think that's the that's the, the fans wish, I think, is what's going to end up coming to fruition at some point. It's definitely going to be a slow burn. It's not going to happen overnight, but I would anticipate that being what would maximize both players' abilities. And I think it's going to be what's best for this team. Yeah, I think the biggest frustration with Savir is, you know, outside of the, some of the three-point attempts, which I think most of us are kind of getting a little bit over with at this point. But I think the biggest frustration is I don't think is really his fault because it's really hard for a guy like him to be as efficient as he, or at maximum efficiency when you've got two bigs clogging up the lane. I just, I really think that's what a lot of it comes down to for him, especially when he's getting tired, uh, you know, playing uh, all those minutes in a a lot of the, the, the times that he makes the biggest mistakes is when he's trying to penetrate jumps in the air and he's got nothing there. Uh, Normally because, you know, there's two or three guys around him. A lot of that just comes down to, there's always three guys in the paint waiting for him. So that's, I, I think that's a lot of what would probably help Savir just in general is having more. And I think having Kaysen next to him is a big key in that you, uh, to try and ease the load off him as well while they're both in the game. But I don't know if Kentucky necessarily has a good lineup where they can do like a four shooter type thing where you're not going to you screw yourself on defense. Uh, so I, it's going to be tough, uh, I think, to get Savir you know, playing at the best of his capabilities. Whereas with Kaysen, I think he's probably a little bit, he's geared better to thrive under what Cal wants to do. So uh, Severe's obviously great. He's, you know, he's going to go down as one of the greatest passers in like SEC history. So uh, he's an incredible playmaker and he, he knows what he's doing, but I just don't, I don't think he has, you know, some of the personnel around him to make, to put him at the, the best position possible. Yeah, it, it kind of is what it is. Um, Michael TB says uh, our power forward position is a work in progress. Collins, Livingston, and Toppin haven't established themselves. Uh, yeah, I yeah. completely agree. I think it's a very serious issue. It. Yeah, I think it's a very serious issue. Uh, Zach, I was watching and we we texted about this last night um, and early this morning. The Celtics played last night. I watched them uh, beat the Heat. The Prince of, of Wales, Prince William and, and Princess oh, Kate were there, of course. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But um, it, it, like the just the basketball beauty that comes with it, just the the constant movement and the ball, like the ball movement and everybody moving constantly. It's like poetry and art. You watch it and you're like, wow, this is stunning. Just watching this unfold. And just the night before. You know, Cal talking about how it's like going to a dentist checkup, and I know he wasn't referring to his offense as the, as the dentist visit, but I, a lot of Kentucky fans kind of poked light. It's like, yeah, that's kind of what your offense is at this point. Why going to going to the dentist office? And it's just it's it's just really crazy how I think Kentucky has the pieces to be that. Just the kind of free flowing. You have the athletes. You have the shooting. Just let them kind of ride it out. It doesn't. You know, you, you got to learn how to grind out games. I understand that, but I just don't know if why that needs to be such a point of emphasis early on in the year, you know, maybe kind of slow play that into it. I, I, I don't know, but just the, the night and day difference between Tuesday night and Wednesday night uh, was just mind boggling to me, just how beautiful sometimes NBA basketball is and how Callis said, you know, we want to start playing toward NBA styles of play. I spent the entire summer watching NBA in the bubble and, you know, learning from that. And it just, it's, Last night was very kind of telling, just watching it unfold. It was like, yeah, that's not what we're seeing. 
Yeah, we've talked a bunch about how it's watching NBA versus college. It's just it's a different type of basketball. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That's <laughs> <laughs> neither. Neither here nor there. Let's uh, get out of here with this um, uh, Michigan game. It's an, it, it, you know, an opportunity that I don't think is as big as it was supposed to be when it was put on the schedule. I think that they were planning on Michigan being kind of that top 10, top 15-ish uh, team by the time Kentucky was playing them. They're outside of the top 25. They just fell uh, to number three, Virginia. That was a big opportunity for them to kind of jump back in the rankings and kind of reestablish itself as a as a you know, kind of high profile program this season in particular. Um, so it's not going to be the same thing like it was with Gonzaga, two top 10 teams, you know, looking to make a statement in college basketball. I think it's going to be one where we're going to figure out what both teams are. Uh, how good is Kentucky actually at this point in the season? How good can they be? Uh, I think it's a really, Im you know, important game for Kentucky because it's a name brand opponent that uh, you don't have one of those wins yet on the schedule. And in terms of just, you need quad one wins, you need, you know, some name brand opponents to, to kind of rack up some quality wins. Uh, you got to get one over in London. And uh, I know it's kind of a weird environment, weird setting, but uh, this, this has become a must win game for Kentucky. And I don't think we were expecting one to start the month of December. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I want to call it a must win, but it sure really feels like they need to win this one, or at least, you know, not lose like how they lost to Gonzaga. Uh, the biggest thing I'm curious about this game is how it's going to look on the inside with England playing their, World Cup game an hour after that game starts. You know, how many UK and Michigan fans were going over there in the first place. I think Tyler noted that the doubleheader is like Maine and Marist. So yeah. I, don't think, I don't think any Maine and Marist fans are going to be sticking around very often. So that 20,000 uh, people arena, the O2, it, it could have, you know, maybe a few thousand people in it. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how that kind of plays out. Uh, I don't think it'll have a huge impact on the actual game itself, but uh, that would have been a really cool opportunity to have all those fans in there. So we'll see how it actually plays out. I'm sure there'll still be people there, but uh, as for the actual game, yeah, Kentucky, sh they should win this game. I think uh, they, they definitely need to win this game. Like I said, I'm not ready to call it a, a must win, but you do have to start compiling some, some quad one, quad two wins, whatever. I, this one probably might end up being a quad two. I don't think uh, yeah, Michigan lost to Virginia, didn't they? Yeah. In that one. So uh, they're not helping themselves either in that regard, but it's a, it, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, some of the travel and all that stuff will, you know, does Kentucky come out firing? Do they have a lot of energy coming up? That'll be one of the bigger things I'm looking forward to at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, you look at Michigan's schedule right now, they beat Fort Wayne pretty soundly close win against the fighting Amani Bates of Eastern Michigan uh, beat the crap out of Pittsburgh uh, then lose pretty mightily 25-point loss against Arizona State, barely beat Ohio like the Ohio Bobcats, 70-66, to 66, um, beat Jackson State by 10, and then lose uh, against number three, Virginia. So not a great resume uh, in the slightest for uh, – it's just kind of an ugly match. You know, I, this again, this event was scheduled before COVID even started, and, you know, this was supposed to be kind of the first trip overseas for everybody, and there was so much excitement behind it, but it, it's died down quite a bit, and I just don't think that the, the – like this would – I feel like this game would be better suited in February or, you know, a random like where the, uh, you know, big, big 12 SEC challenge game is or something like that where it's kind of in the heart of – uh, SEC play or something. It's just a really weirdly timed game against a different weird opponent. 
but unfortunately it's not maybe not must-win territory, but five and three going into December is definitely not a position that you want Kentucky to be in. Yeah, it would not be good. And like the timing of this game, honestly, I don't think it could be any worse with how it's set up with the World Cup happening. Because obviously you can't plan for them pushing the World Cup back five months or whatever it was. So <laughs> just having all of that going, it would be a lot better if Kentucky had pulled off the Gonzaga win or maybe Michigan beats Virginia, maybe drum up some some little bit more hype. But yeah, there's just not a lot going into this game. Kentucky's going to need to win it. Uh, and like I said, the energy levels that'll be what i'm curious to see if they you know how are they going to come out against a team like michigan who has the big name but maybe hasn't performed as well as they should have so far well we will see that game takes place on sunday we're excited for that we'll uh, break it all down after the fact i'm definitely looking forward to that zach been a lot of fun appreciate Justin edwards coming on it was a great conversation uh love talking to him as always great kid very much looking forward to uh, him not only getting on campus, but just this game next week. We're, we're very much looking forward to that. Uh, we will be there, boots on the ground. Uh, KSR will be several people deep, and then we'll definitely uh, uh, give you all the coverage that you need from from that event. But, Zach, I know that's something that you're very much looking forward to, play-by-play classic at Freedom Hall. Oh, yeah. No, that's going to be an awesome event. It's mainly because of all the other, like, obviously, the Reed and Justin is a headline, but there's going to be a lot of really good talent that I haven't gotten to watch Jasper Johnson much before. I have not been able to watch him in person yet. Uh, so that's a guy I really, really want to see. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Hopefully we can just do it more often, too. I think they do it in Ohio as well. And uh, so they, they bring it around a lot of states. So it's an awesome event. Yeah, week, week after, I think the Bronny James is the headliner. And I think uh, yeah, uh, the Darren, Ohio one. Yeah, Darren Peterson's going to be in that one. And, you know, the ship up there, won't we? Yeah, a couple other ones. And, uh, yeah, so it's definitely – Something to keep an eye on, but we'll be there, boots on the ground in, in Louisville for that. But uh, that wraps up this show. Appreciate all the people re- reaching out with comments, questions for Justin. He definitely appreciated uh, all the questions that you guys gave him. Zach, appreciate your your contributions as always. Great stuff. Always appreciate you coming on. Uh, I want you to tell fans where they can find your work. Well, you can find me as always on KentuckySportsRadio.com. Great website. Or on 3.com backslash uh, Kentucky Sports Radio. Shout out to our uh, our big bosses there. Or you can find me on Twitter at ZGagan, KSR. Gagan is G-E-O-G-H-E-G-A-N. It's the Triple G. It is the Triple G. You can find me on Twitter at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email, jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for the Jam Pack Sources Say podcast. We will see you then. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.